Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ACC Now podcast, uh, brought to you by the News and Observer, uh, McClatchy uh, uh, Media Company. I am Steve Wiseman, the Duke beat writer for the Raleigh News and Observer, Durham Herald's son uh, in North Carolina, and I am pleased to be joined today by Josh Hairston, former Duke basketball player. Uh, Josh and I go way back because my first year on the Duke beat was I came on in August of 2010. About the same time Josh arrived on campus uh, to start his Duke career. So, Do- Josh, yeah. it's good to be with you today. Steve, it's always good to see you, man. Definitely go way back. Uh, it was actually nice to see you in Chicago. And yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad we could sit down and do this, man. It's been a long time. It has. And, uh, yeah, it was great to see you in Chicago in your in your new role, which we're going to talk about here as uh, uh, Josh is working as, a, as an agent now um, with, with Lyft Sports Management. Uh, you've been with him for a couple of months now, right? You started uh, this spring. Uh, yes, yes, about a month. Uh, yeah, a couple months, couple months. Yeah, so good deal there. We have plenty to talk about in that world because uh, I was at the combine in Chicago. Josh was there. Uh, you know, there that Lyft is representing Paula Bancaro, uh, Wendell Moore. Um, uh, Duke players, Duke, Duke people know about those two in particular, and so uh, it was good to see Josh in his, in his new role there. Uh, off the court, uh, escort those guys around and taking care of what taking care of their needs. <laughs> of course, man, it was uh, it was definitely a surreal experience, and I know we'll get into it. But it's uh, it's been funny, kind of transitioning from on the floor to now still being attached to the game, but in a totally different role. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it was fun. Good deal. Well, first, I want I want to catch up real quick, catch our listeners up uh, on, on on what you did since your Duke career ended. You played from 2010 to 2014. Uh, uh, for Coach K, and uh, and then you went and played overseas for a few years, right? You played, yeah. uh, I think, in Europe, like Switzerland, Sweden, yeah. Italy, those kind of places. Um, yeah. And you got your degree in sociology, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So good. So tell me, tell 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 our listeners, kind of, you know, what you did since you since you left your Duke career. Uh, I mentioned some of those places, and kind of what got you into to to going into the sports sports management world. Of course. Well, uh, post graduation, twenty fourteen. In my mind, I knew I wanted to continue to play. Um, I've been very transparent and candid about my time at Duke and how I felt it went. And um, I am very open to knowing that I didn't do exactly what I wanted to do during my time at Duke. Um, I am still forever grateful for the experience and the people I've met and uh, the, the time that I was able to spend there in Durham. But one of the things that I always wanted to do afterwards was um, really show myself that I could still play and I could play at a high level. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I went overseas. My first year uh, was a wake up call. I was in Switzerland. Um, and for those who don't really know how European basketball works, every country has their own league or leagues. And um, Switzerland for me was my first stop. And uh, I was very fortunate because living wise, I was in Lugano. Um, Lugano is a beautiful city right there outside of Italy. Uh, There's Lake Lugano. It was living wise. I couldn't have asked for a better first destination. Um, The city was beautiful. The people were beautiful and super nice. The food was amazing. Everything was good except the basketball. And that's where I'd struggled from. I had come from, playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium, sold out games, every home game, traveling on the road, road games were sold out to, I believe, my first game in Switzerland. I ran out and there might have been 
50, maybe 60 people in the stands. And it was an unbelievable wake up call for me. And I remember getting on the phone with my agent right away. Like, Hey man, like you got to get me out of here. Like I need, I can't do it. (laughs) Uh, which again, it's, it's, it was all about me adjusting, right? It was, I had guys, I had four other Americans on my team who were all kind of in the similar situation. And, um, everybody else that were fillers on our roster were young kids or, uh, you know, people who had other daytime jobs, basketball wasn't really their profession. And so, you know, I had just come off of captaining a team my senior year and I'm kind of carrying that same energy into my team in Switzerland. And I'm, you know, I'm yelling at guys, I'm trying to push them. And I remember my coach had to pull me to the side and was like, Hey man, like, I love your energy and this is going to carry you far over here, but this may not be the type of environment for that, for these guys. (laughs) So after that, after that, I kind of took it, I took it a little light and um, I actually ended up getting injured um, in January. I tore two ligaments in my ankle and so I had to come home. And so season wise, it was over. I was having a great season, but you know, secretly I was actually very happy to be able to come home and rehab. They had asked me, they said, Hey, you can stay here and rehab. You won't be able to finish the season, but you know, you could stay here and rehab and then go home or you can just go home now. And I was like, get me on a flight. I'm going home, spend some time with my family. So, uh, that was a, that was a difficult experience, but then I went to Sweden and that was a total opposite experience. Um, my team was really good. Uh, I had a coach that had won multiple championships in Sweden and played in other Croatia and Finland and different areas around there. And, um, I was on a team with a bunch of vets that had played for a long time, had won a bunch of championships and, um, we made it all the way to the finals. We lost in the finals, but it was a totally different experience. The The city itself was beautiful as well. Very similar to my time in Switzerland, but the basketball was next level. We had a beautiful arena, packed it out every night. So it was kind of me getting back into that feeling of playing at Duke again. And then yeah. after Sweden was Israel. Israel was a great time. Um, Israel, again, for those who don't know, is it's a super small country. A lot of the teams are based right there out of Tel Aviv, but it's like men and women's teams all based there together. And so I was fortunate to be there with Jasmine Thomas, who was actually a, a Blue Devil, yeah. uh, who graduated. She was a senior when I was a freshman. Jasmine was there. And um, I gravitated toward hanging out with her a lot just because she was a familiar face. And sure. uh, she had played over there before. So she knew a lot of the, the good restaurants and hangout spots. And so I hung out with her a lot. And my teammate was very uh, was great. My team was good there, too. Um, we had a couple injuries towards the end of the season. We lost early in the playoffs when we shouldn't have, but that was another great experience. And then my last two years, I finished off in Italy. And I tell people my time in Italy was by far the best of my career. Um, I had gotten back to feeling like the Josh Hairston coming into Duke and not necessarily. And I, when I spent the first or the prior three years of my professional career trying to break myself out of that mold of the Josh Hairston that was at Duke. And so getting comfortable, being uncomfortable, challenging myself, uh, getting back to the game and actually finding my love for it again. But also, man, overseas is a grind. And after my, it was after my first year in Italy, which was my fourth year coming out of school, I knew I was going to give myself five years. And I said, after five years, I'll reevaluate, see if I want to keep doing it. Um, I hit my wall fourth year Christmas uh, overseas in Italy. And I had actually, um, you know, Kai, uh, Kyrie and I are still very close. And um, I remember just being on the phone with him and it's like, hey, man, like, I don't know if this is what I want to do anymore. Uh, I don't know where where I go from here or what. And you know, Kyrie being Kyrie was like, Hey man, like, look, like 
I'm in a transition phase in my career as well. This is when he was in Boston, but he was talking about potentially stepping away and going to New York. Yeah. And so um, he was like, why don't you, I want to build a team around me to kind of work, you know, with me and kind of build businesses and all sorts of stuff and work on my brand. And he was like, why don't you just come back um, after next year and we'll figure it out from there. So I did my fifth year, uh, had a, another great year and um, came home. And that was the time I met Kai in Boston. And um, that was a time when he was getting ready to transition. He left Boston and went to Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't know what exactly my role was going to be with Kai, but I knew I was going to just be with him. You know, so prior to that summer times coming home and training, um, I was with him all the time. I'd come home, spend a few weeks with my family, and then I'd hit the road with Kai and we'd be all over the place. I was fortunate to be at those 2016 uh, the 2016 NBA finals. I was fortunate to go to the first finals that he went to and where unfortunately he bumped knees with clay and yeah. was injured. I was with him. I was with him there and I was with him post-surgery and spending time with him. And then uh, the next year when they won it and then the final year when they went. And so I was, I had all this experience from traveling and being with them. And um, I tell people all the time, I'm very fortunate because Kai placed me in some situations early on to where I started establishing relationships in the business that I'm experiencing now. And um, I was with him on trips to Nike up in Portland at Nike headquarters. I uh, was with him when he was taking meetings with teams and all that sort of stuff. So it was a, it was very invaluable experience. Um, and so just obviously that first year in Brooklyn was a whirlwind. KD got hurt in the finals. So KD didn't play. Uh, Kai had actually gotten hurt in the team. Uh, they were still trying to figure out their roles and identities when you have two megastars that come in like that. And, yes, sir. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. And then unfortunately, the next year, COVID hit. Mm. Uh, and so my, um, or actually that same year, COVID had hit. And so my wife, my, now my wife, but she was my, uh, my girlfriend at the time. Um, she was living in Arizona and coaching at the University of Arizona for women's basketball. And um, I was in working in New York, but living in New Jersey, uh, in North Bergen, New Jersey. And I was in an apartment. And for those who were in New York, when COVID started, it was ground zero. Yeah. It was awful. Um, Just awful. And yeah. And I remember getting ready to leave, uh, to go out to Arizona and my Uber driver that took me from my apartment to Newark, uh, international had a mask on and had hand sanitizer. And this is before COVID even gotten crazy. And the guy told me, I get, it's kind of weird thinking about it now, but he was like, man, like, this is going to get crazy. Like you got to protect yourself, like whatever. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, okay, you know, there's always things that are coming up. There's always things sure. that are happening <laughs> that they say are going to be whatever the case may be. But, um, I had gotten to Arizona and, uh, things got crazy and I didn't go back to New York for about six or seven months. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was, it was tough, but in that time it was actually beneficial because I was thinking about what I wanted to do. I was going back to my time with Kyle. Like I'm very fortunate for everything that I've experienced with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew I needed to branch out on my own at a certain point. I think my reputation or what a lot of people had thought of me of a lot during my time at Duke and afterwards was somebody that I was, I was always with Kai. Everybody always knew Oh, Josh is always with Kai, you know, yeah. people would call me asking, Oh, how's Kai? You know what I mean? And yeah. so <laughs> for me, uh, which again, it's, it didn't bother me, but I knew if I wanted to start my own career path, I needed to kind of branch away and mm -hmm. do my own thing. And it was also more personal for me. I wanted to be able to prove like I can, you know, yes, I can. I I'm very fortunate to have a friend like Kai who is, 
providing and allowing me to be in these certain situations and uh, allowing me to work with them. But also at the same time, I wanted to go get it myself. Right. And um, the agent space was something that was intriguing to me. I talked to, so I, my agent was Seth Cohen um, for SAC representation. And uh, he had uh, actually ended up signing right out of school, Cam Johnson, Phoenix Suns, yeah. Desmond, Desmond Bain of the Memphis Grizzlies. He's, they're no longer with him, but Seth had gotten them on his own, and which is a testament to him. Seth did everything on his own while also managing guys overseas. And so I remember having a brief conversation with him when I was in Italy and saying, hey, man, I, um, I think I want to kind of get in the agent space. You think when I'm done, I could kind of follow you around a little bit and just see. And of course, he was open to it. And um, I wasn't able to do it to that capacity. But uh, I knew sitting in my apartment, I told my told my wife, my girlfriend at the time, I told her, like, I think I want to take the agent test, but um, I think I'm going to take it next year. I'm not going to take it this year. The window was still open for me to take it that year. And I said, oh, I'm going to take it next year. I'm going to just study for a year and then take it. And she just looked at me. and was like, why? Like, COVID has <laughs> shut everything down. You have nothing else to do. Just study, right? Just, just do go it. ahead and study. Just do it <laughs> yeah. now and, and do it. And so uh, I took her advice. I printed out all the materials. I studied. I did everything I needed to do and um, passed it. Uh, and was very excited about it, but I had already started establishing relationships in what I wanted to do. So yeah. that's kind of how I got to where I I am now. My journey up until then, it's been unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable one. But um, I've, I'm very I actually. I mean, even in that time, I after before I had even agreed to really work with Kai, I'd gone down to K Academy and spent some time with Coach. And everybody and I sat with him and um I told him what I was thinking about doing. And yeah, he uh, you know, coaches, coaches got this knack for making you feel validated in a decision that you want to make, especially if you feel conviction over it, and making you have that feeling like you're gonna crush whatever you decide you want to do. And um, I sat with him at K Academy right before I left, and he was saying that he thought I had the personality for it and thought that I um that I'd be good for that space. And um, that was all I needed to hear. And after that, I was like, you know what, this is what I'm doing. Um, and I haven't looked back. You know, it's it, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, you, the last thing you mentioned is like, it's about the brotherhood thing. I, I know that's a, you know, other fan bases don't like to hear that, and all that which is, which is fine. But um, you know, Kyrie was only at Duke for one year and he was hurt and all mm -hmm. that, but you guys formed this bond that has played a role in your life and, and you've helped him along the way. And then you go back to coach K long after your career is over and he gives you the words that you need to go forward with that. Right. I mean, yeah. it just, fits. it just, it, we hear these stories all the time. People have us that are around the program and everything, but, uh, but th that's a really great example of it, isn't it? About, about what, you know, what, what, it, what, it, what that really means. Of course. And I mean, it's like you said earlier, people like to joke about the brotherhood, not in a negative way. They're just like, oh, you guys really call yourselves the brotherhood. And it's like, unless you're in it, you really don't understand what that truly means. Um, and it's it's one of those things that's so beneficial. Like I can I can tell you now with my relationship with Wendell, I don't get I don't I'm not, I don't have an opportunity to work with Wendell at the capacity that I am right now without the brotherhood, without that trust being there, without mm -hmm. that foundation being there, without coach laying that foundation 
at his first year, you know, his first class at Duke and kind of building this relationship where it doesn't matter if you played in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, the 10s, we are all connected in some sort of way. And that is that it's a, again, it's a testament to coach and the legacy that he's built at Duke and everything he's done for so many guys. Um, but it's also, it's, it's not a joke. I tell people all the time, people ask me everywhere I go, Oh, y'all really call yourselves the brotherhood. Are you really that close with everybody? I'm like, I can hang out with somebody that played in the eighties. I can also yeah. hang out with somebody that played in the two thousands. I can hang out with the guys that came after me. Um, there's, there's relationships all over the board that we are able to enjoy. And our one common denominator is obviously coach K and Duke, but it's, it's, it just feels like it's way more than that at the same time. So right. uh, it's a very real thing. Absolutely. And um, uh, we have a lot more to talk about. Uh, again, our guest uh, this week on the ACC Now podcast is Josh Harrison, former Duke player, uh, played overseas after that. He's now in, in the agent space, uh, help represent athletes as they go forward in their, their pro careers. Um, uh, again, I'm Steve Weisman uh, with the Raleigh News and Observer. And uh, uh, I do want to ask you real quick, though, since you mentioned Kyrie, uh, you know, he's been through a lot since he left Duke through his pro career. He's, he's been in some controversial situations. Let's, mm-hmm. let's face it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so as somebody like you, who knows him so well, just, um, you know, tell, tell us, you know, what you think has put him in those situations, maybe. And, and, and how has it been, um, I guess, miss not portrayed correctly in, in your point of view i mean yeah or, or ways that it has been portrayed correctly i guess maybe. of course no i mean look you just hit it you hit the nail on the head kai i feel like is the most understood misunderstood athlete in all of professional sports anybody who's able to sit down with kai have a conversation with them knows will immediately know a couple of things one how smart how intellectual he actually is mm-hmm. um and then two how loving and caring he is Kai is selfless. He, um, whatever you need, whatever your family needs, I can speak to multiple examples, even within myself of him helping me and my family. I can speak on multiple examples of him helping a complete stranger. Um, there are different avenues for Kai that people just don't understand. And, um, he's also probably, I tell people all the time, the most talented basketball player that I've one ever played with and two ever seen play. Um, those workouts with me and him in the summertime and a few of our friends that were kind of traveling around, um, I got better progressively in my professional career because I was having to play one-on-one against that guy mm. every single day in the gym and him challenging me and him showing me different things uh, from a professional level. Obviously, I never had my opportunity to play in the NBA, but Kai was vital in me getting my professional career in Europe going. Um, but I, I do, he's, you know, obviously here recently with everything that has been going on in the world, Steve, I mean, I know, you know, our world is a crazy place right now. Yeah. And a lot of this has been going on for a long time, but with the boom of social media, with the boom of all these different outlets, media outlets that are able to capture and put out their own stories and narratives, um, I think Kai has felt strong conviction that, you know, basketball is a gift um, and he wants to use that God-given gift in order to help others. Mm. And so his mindset is, you know, there are so many other things going on in the world. Basketball is so minuscule that um, he doesn't want that being all he's defined as. And 
for Kai, I mean, look, there's, could you argue that he could go about things differently? Of course you can. You could say if he would do it this way instead of that way, it might be a better look or whatever the case may be. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, any, anybody who knows Kai, I mean, I, I knew this about him the first time I met him in, in San Antonio, Texas, when we were playing for the U18 uh, team USA team coached by Jeff Cable. <laughs> I learned this. I learned this about Kai right away is like, if 20 people are in a room, if 19 are going left, Kai's going, uh, that one person's going to go right. That's going to be Kai <laughs> just because he wants to be different, but he also wants to challenge the norm. He doesn't want to just go with the wave. He likes to try different things. And so um, I do feel he's completely misunderstood. I think uh, with a lot that's going on in the world, he's felt the need to step up and, uh, kind of be a voice, be a beacon for others and kind of be that guiding light that people can follow and uh, can feel motivated by and feel like they're not alone with certain things. Um, but again, can you argue, can he go about things differently? A hundred percent. But that's one thing Kai is going to be Kai. Like that's just, that's my, that's my yeah. best answer for that. Kai is going to be Kai. Like, <laughs> um, but I mean, he is, he's got a, he's got a huge heart. He's selfless and um he means well. And I just think it's portrayed in a poor way from, um, you know, and some of it is self-doing, mm-hmm. um, but I, I just don't think it's portrayed in the complete light that what it is. So yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I understand. Totally. Um, one more thing on that. Uh, Co- Coach K had, a, he had his town hall for a Sirius XM show last week and, and he was asked about his career. Um, and, and one of the things he mentioned was one of his biggest regrets uh, of his whole Duke tenure was the your freshman season, the 2010-11 year when Kyrie got injured? He said we could have gone undefeated that year had Kyrie not been injured. And I think that's yeah. some people think it's hyperbole or whatever, but I mean, you know, we saw the first yeah. eight games of the season with what he did. And I mean, how do you feel about that comment? You think that could have been it? I mean, I, it's it's exciting to hear Coach say that because we've anybody that's been on that team has said it from that year going on. I tell people all the time, my closest chance to winning a national championship I still even though you know my junior year we went and lost in the uh, I think it was the elite eight to, to Louisville Louisville yeah um, even though we were right there getting to the final four I still felt our best chance was my freshman year yeah um, we were unbelievably talented from top to bottom we had unbelievable leadership with Nolan and Kyle and then you throw Seth Andre uh, Kyrie, Mason, Miles, Tyler, myself, we had a uh, Ryan Kelly. We, yeah. we were loaded. We were loaded. And um, I do believe, I mean, if you, anybody who just doesn't believe that statement, um, just go back and watch the film, look at the stats, everybody that we were paired up against, we were, be- we were beating teams by 20 plus mm-hmm. in those first few games. And Kyrie was dominating every single matchup, every team we played had a point guard that was projected all American for that season. And it was almost like, Kai, which again, as methodical as he was, he had a checklist and we were going off. I remember the three, myself, Tom and Kyrie were in our uh, triple on, on East campus in Bassett. And he had a list and he was just checking off the list who we were going after. And for Tyler and I, especially, I mean, we weren't really playing at that time. We had, you know, some spare moments here and there, but it was exciting to see because he was telling us what he was going to do. And then he was going on the floor and doing it. And I had never at that point seen anything like it. 
And uh, it's that's not an exaggeration. Like yeah. he literally would say this is what he was going to do. And so when you would look at the bench's reactions, when Tyler and I were looking at each other going crazy, like that was genuine <laughs> because we we were telling each other he said he was going to do that and he's going out and doing it. So <laughs> um, coach is 100 percent right. I think if if Kai doesn't if Kai doesn't have the toe injury, um, I think we go undefeated. Um, I think we and I mean, even still, we we got close and Kai yeah. was probably. 80, 85% of what of himself, he was a little heavy because he hadn't been able to work out. And so he wasn't his true self, but he was still leading our team with Nolan and Kyle and doing everything he could. So it was, uh, that's definitely, that's not a far off statement. I agree with no. hundred percent, hundred percent. You guys ran into D Derek Williams and uh, he, he shot the lights out that night for Arizona. Oh right? so. man. Yeah, it's actually, uh, <laughs> the sweet it's 16. actually funny during my, uh, my wife's time in Arizona. Um, they actually have a picture from that game, like a mural uh, there in the arena. And I was talking to some staffers that were working for the team and they were just saying, you know, Derek Williams, had, he hadn't played that way ever. It was almost like something just clicked. And I was like, yeah, that always tends to happen when teams <laughs> play Duke. It always just, it's always right. somebody just flips a switch one time and they have the best game ever. But um, I do, I think that was, that was by far the best team I've, I've played on at any point, you know, from professional career, obviously all the way down to, my younger days, um, we were just, we were a really, really talented team. We were super close. And I think we felt when Kai got hurt, you know, it, it hurt us a little bit because we all felt it, but we still had Nolan and Kyle who pushed us every single day, who were unbelievable leaders. Absolutely. Um, still two of my favorite teammates ever. Uh, and we still had a, had a great season. And so, uh, but I, yeah, coach was hundred percent right on that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's, let's fast forward now to back to, to, to the present time and uh, you're working with Paulo and Wendell and um, just, you know, what are your thoughts on them, on their outlook for their pro careers uh, from being around those guys that, you know, at the combine and everything. And now they're going through their workouts and, you know, here we are a couple of weeks from the draft, right? So it's, it's almost go time for, we know Paulo is going to be, you know, at least a top three pick, I would think, right. Let's see everything the projections. And then Wendell has really played his way into, to, to a solid first round pick there. I mean, after uh, it, his career, he had, to, he came a long way as his last year at Duke to, to get himself in this position. So yeah, that's good for him. Definitely. So um, just to, I want to clarify a couple of things. Um, Paolo, uh, I am helping support Paolo in mm -hmm. his, in his journey, but um, I'm really, you know, Mike is actually running everything for Paolo. And so, okay. um, and you know, Mike led the recruitment for Paolo. So that's, you know, I am, again, it's, it, I'm fortunate to be a part of it, but uh, you know, and Paolo and I have had a relationship since, you know, his, when he stepped on campus for K Academy and I was able to spend some time with him and all that good stuff. But my focus has been Wendell. Um, okay, I started building a relationship with Wendell um, about going on three years. Nolan connected me with him and um, it was at the end of his freshman year. And um, Wendell's always been somebody that's been super intriguing to me. Um, he reminded, he reminds me a lot of myself personality wise in certain ways. Um, obviously he's a much more skilled and talented basketball player than I was. Um, but he was somebody that I told myself, if I have an opportunity to be an agent or work with a player, I want to work with him. I mean, everything I had heard from him, just being a great kid is being coming from a great family. It's all like dream stuff as an agent right now that I, I am in this position being able to, if I could think about a dream client, um, 
great kid, great family. Those are the two main things. If I can check off those boxes because it makes your job a lot easier. Right. And so, um, Wendell, uh, I had started building a relationship and started having conversations with him about what I was doing, but it was all me trying to just be motivational for him. I know he struggled his first couple of years. Um, and I always like to draw the comparison with him to Nolan. You know, obviously I wasn't Nolan's early teammate, but I was familiar with Nolan because Nolan and I played on the same AAU program. And so um, I knew of Nolan's early struggles, but I knew the player that Nolan was. I had seen Nolan in high school. I knew Nolan was good. I knew it was somewhere in there. He just, it just had to, he had to find it. And um, I knew Dell was the same way. And so after obviously his first couple of years, it was always just, you know, motivational with me, just trying to have conversations with him, just saying, keep his head up, keep going, like, don't be distracted, don't be down, whatever the case may be, just, you're a good player, just keep, just keep pushing, it'll happen, just keep pushing. And um, it was actually a joy for me at that Kentucky game, I was in New York to see it first game of the season. And yeah he came out the gates gun blazing. And I just remember thinking to myself, this is the window <laughs> that, <laughs> that everybody has loved and wanted to see. And um, I think his transition from his first two years until this past season has been unbelievable. And I think that's actually helping him with a lot of these teams because teams are seeing that he, there is no ceiling. Like he's going to continue to get better. Especially yeah. after hitting adversity his first two years, he was projected as a one and done. Um, even after his freshman year, he was projected to be able to come out this sophomore year and wasn't, you know, didn't come out his sophomore year. And so now for to be in the position where he's at, um, I'm just on, I tell him this all the time. If he were sitting here on the screen, I'm just unbelievably proud of him. And I am unbelievably grateful to be a part of his journey. And it's not like um, our relationship's a little different. It's not like agent client, even though on paper, that's what it is. Um, our relationship is we're brothers and we're kind of going on this journey together. And he's been patient with me. He's understood what's going on and where I'm at with things. And that hasn't discouraged him from wanting to, that never discouraged him from wanting to work with me or be a part of what I'm doing and which I'm forever grateful for. But um, our journey is unique in that, in that fold. And I'll be forever grateful for him for this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really um, Coach K talked to us all last year how, how Wendell had changed his body in the offseason and changed yeah. his 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 gait, his running, and yeah. and, and, and it just made him, I mean, a better athlete. I mean, really, mm -hmm. they, they broke it all down and built it back up. And um, it's a very rare thing, really, to see happen in the middle of a college career. But uh, but he put the work in and then followed it up during the season with, I mean, he was a team captain and all, you know, he, he did all that he came to do. You know, he got him to the final four. Yeah. Um, and, and, and all that. So what, what a great story he is. And, um, uh, that transition to me and what I'm gonna talk about next also is how college sports are changing a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And he, he's the example of a guy that, um, you know, the transfer portal is always out there now. Now it's, you can go and, and be play immediately, right? That wasn't yes. the case when mm -hmm. you were there. Um, NIL is there. Yeah, he took advantage of that. I don't know. Yes. Did, did if you played a role in that with him? If you were, were advising him as far as NIL stuff, uh, one uh, one deal that he did, uh, which was the Bose one he mm -hmm. did for the NCAA tournament, that was actually something that I had helped uh, coordinate. But um, a lot of the stuff he had done, he had uh, done on his own through different relationships, and so um, you hit it. The college basketball is changing, and it's changed so much in the time since I've 
been in school and left school. Yeah. And um, I tell people, you know, coach obviously had one and done's in the past, but I felt like our group, uh, Kyrie, Tyler, and myself were kind of the new transition of his new style one and done's. I mean, obviously we had Kai my freshman year, then we had Austin my sophomore year. Then um, my freshman, I mean, my junior year, we had Emil and Rashid who were both great freshmen, uh, but weren't one and done guys, but were unbelievably talented freshmen who impacted yeah. our winning right away. Mm -hmm. And then um, our senior year, uh, we had Jabari. And then obviously after that, it was Justice, mm -hmm. Jaleel, Tyus. And it was just, yeah, it was like yeah. it was a freight train Ingram, after that. Ingram, Tatum, yeah. you know, the whole thing. It was, yeah. a, it was a freight <laughs> train after that. And so, but now with, with that comes the, you know, the transfer portal, NIL. I am a huge advocate for NIL. I don't like the way it's going right now. I feel like there needs to be some sort of educational piece because um, the two main things for me is guys are taking money just to take money and they, they're not thinking about their brand and how that looks. And then the second piece is nobody's educationalized, nobody's teaching them, you know, financial literacy. Like, do you get all this money and spend it or do you save for taxes? How do you say, you know, how do you pay your taxes, all that sort of stuff. And so you're having guys that are in situations that are doing deals just to do deals because somebody's offering them a little bit of money and um, they're taking that money and then not knowing future wise what that looks like for tax purposes and stuff like that. So I know, again, it's, it's a great first step. People are going to get it figured out. And obviously that's a huge recruiting tool, not only for college basketball coaches, but for agents now too, like we play a part in that as well. And mm -hmm. um, that's something I'm still trying to figure out and navigate and all that stuff. But then the transport portal, I mean, in my, my honest opinion is I'm not a fan of it just because I think, but I also think I was from a different time, even though it's not like it was that long ago. Um, if you weren't playing, like I said at the beginning of this, like I, I was my own downfall for my reasons, not being able to produce and play the, at the way I wanted to play. I could go back and um, in my mind, and I've had these kind of conversations with myself and with family, I can tell you everything I didn't do to get to where I, where I wanted to go. And, uh, but one of the things that I was adamant about was I'm not running from anything. Like I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to but that was also embedded in me with my family. You know, you don't quit on things. You don't, you, you signed up. This is where you're going. You don't mm -hmm. quit. You don't run from adversity. And so, and again, I'm not saying that's what guys are doing now because the situations have changed, you know, guys, um, the ability to be able to play right away, you know, guys want to be closer to home. Um, there's all sorts of scenarios and um, I'm all for whatever you feel like you need to do. That's best for you do it. But in my time, that just wasn't something that was an option for me. Right. And, um, and it's something, even if it were an option, it wasn't something that I would want to do just because I want to figure it out here. I chose to come here. They, they chose, I was one of the few selected to receive a scholarship to come to this place. Like I got to make it work. I got to figure it out in some capacity. And so, um, you know, the, the transfer portal NIL, it's changing the landscape of college basketball. Um, you know, for just to speak on Duke, what John is doing right now with the staff he's put together. Yeah. Um, I think we're continuing to be above and beyond everybody. And that's no knock on any other school or university. It's just, I think we're so innovative in the way we go about things. And so um, I think it's going to help with the NIL process, but uh, the NIL is definitely something that we have to consider as agents too, and how we can, what deals can we bring to the table? I mean, guys are signing with NIL companies out of high school. I mean, you got to say right. recent, I just saw Mackenzie and Baku just signed with CAA. Yes. Um, for 
representation. Derek Lively obviously is with Clutch. Mm-hmm. There's um all these different, you know, these you got to get in on the grassroots level now in, in our job. It, it, it's, I'm not trying to sound like I've been in this thing for 10 years, but it's something that I've noticed right away is like, we have to get in at the grass, the grassroots level now, or um, it's going to be hard to compete. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sped up. It, it's kind of like when, before the one and done, the NBA guys had to go, you know, scout AAU stuff all the time and, and get them then before they, you know, like when LeBron and those guys, you know, went straight to the straight to pros Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's, it's, it's your world. And, 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 you know, before that used to be off limits, right. As far as you know, certain things you could do with kids before they uh, turn pro and everything and or, yeah. like their eligibility, that's not the case anymore. And I think that's probably good because uh, I think just yesterday, the NCAA, uh, they're, they're <laughs> with NIL, they, they threw it out there. Like you said, there's no guardrails. Um, it's almost like there, and I mentioned this on another, uh, th- appearance I made like it's like they they knew they had to to race a boat and they they're building the boat as they go down the river <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> that's a great analogy 100 percent, 100 percent. it's like they got to just get it out there as quick as possible and then they'll figure everything else out along the way and that's and exactly what's going on <laughs> that's exactly what's going on and it's it's I, it, I you know again it's I'm I'm very happy that these athletes are getting paid it doesn't matter what sport you're I'm just glad because again it's part of the journey, obviously, I was fortunate, you know, my, my family, uh, being a Duke, like I was able to take care of myself in certain aspects, but there are some kids who, you know, who have nothing and are struggling to have meals. But then again, they're making universities tons of money. And so there's all, there's always different scenarios that are going on. And so, um, again, I thought your analogy was great. Like it is, it's almost (laughs) like, just get it out there We'll figure it out as we go, but got to just get it there but, first. But there's water coming in here, and oh yeah. my god, we got to stop this and just trying to patch uh, it up as they yeah, go. 100%, yeah, hundred percent. But uh, but I do know they just say yesterday that they're they're not gonna they're they're not gonna nobody's eligibility is in question right now because mm-hmm. they're they're trying because obviously they, they they didn't want nil to become a recruiting inducement, but I think that was impossible. Like there's no way that wasn't going to happen. I mean, you can yeah. say you don't want it to, but that's it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible. That's um, kids are literally choosing their college destinations based off of NIL. If you don't have an NIL package that seems good enough for kids and their families, then you can't even have a conversation. It doesn't matter what school you are. You could be a power five school or whatever. And I just, I feel bad for the smaller universities because now they're really having to compete or trying to work double time to be able to just stay afloat in certain situations. I mean, you just look at the landscape of college football, the SEC, what they're able to do for all this NIL. I mean, they're able to give guys tons and tons of money and uh, it's just, it's, it's hard for other schools to compete. And so um, I just know off of experience that that's what's going on is if you don't have, if NIL isn't a good talking point for some families or some schools, then it's just like, okay, well, you know, thank you for your interest, but we're going to go elsewhere. Yeah. You can't even get that's the door. It is. Now. Yeah. yeah can't even get the door. Yeah. Um, speaking of the staff that Duke's putting together, you know, this week they announced the hiring of, uh, of Rachel Baker mm-hmm. as the new general, the first GM of, of Duke basketball yep. and uh, a really innovative hire. Right. I mean, that's what yes. we're talking about here. She knows the the space of, uh, of, of marketing and all that. And that's, that's what we're going to be doing now. Yep. So that's the, every school is going to have to do that. And Duke was kind of the first one to get out, get out there and make that hire. Yep. Huge, huge hire for John. And I think what John has done 
um, not only with his first recruiting class, but then also with his first staff. I thought uh, he's done a great job. Obviously, you know, we're going to miss as a family, we're going to miss Nolan, but mm-hmm. we're also very happy for Nolan. And, you know, I've had multiple conversations about it. Everybody asked me, oh, like, well, why did Nolan leave there? to go to Louisville, then it seemed like a downgrade. And I'm like, well, you don't know Nolan's story for anybody yeah. who knows Nolan's story, his family's history, his, his personal journey. Um, this is a dream job for him. And it's an opportunity to go home and be close to his dad's family and be able to go where his dad played. And all, there's, there's just so much, it's such a feel good story. And I hate saying that because it sounds so cliche, but it really is. I mean, yeah. of course, you know, Nolan has given everything he could since he stepped on campus at Duke. He's given everything to the city of Durham and the university, you know, Duke University. And I um, I'm just glad that he was able to kind of have his journey come full circle with that moment for him. But we're, of course, going to miss him. And um, I know John feels the same way, but what he's been able to do and filling out the rest of his staff has been unbelievable. And again, we come just the word innovative keeps coming up, but that's what it is like Mm -hmm. he's and that's what I think is so intriguing to kids about Duke is we're always a step ahead of everybody else. And um, I think he's, John set himself up for success and um, I'm very excited. I'm excited for Emil. Um, you know, Emil has probably had the fastest, ascend- it was probably the fastest wow. ascending <laughs> assistant coach in the history yeah. of, uh, of, of coaching period. But, um, you know, I think, I think Emil has got the personality to do it. Uh, you know, being a teammate of his, um, he can relate to what guys are going with going through on the floor and off the floor. He's a great guy. I mean, Emil can go into family's home, sit down on the couch and have conversations with anybody in the house and come out with a bunch of new friends leaving off after a visit. That's just the type of person Emil is. And um, Obviously I'm super happy for him. It's, it's really cool to see a former teammate be put in that position. And um, I am just continuing to be excited for him but I thought the Rachel hire was huge um I thought I thought John the way he assembled everybody and then on top of that his recruiting class I thought you know the addition of Tyrese Proctor for next year like I, there's John's doing things and his staff they're all doing things that are setting this setting themselves up really nicely uh for next season and everybody's biggest thing with Duke and obviously coach leaving is they want to make the comparisons to you know when John Wooden left UCLA or when all these legendary coaches leave, which again, are real, are real situations where, you know, there's downtimes, but um, I think John has set himself up perfectly to just take the torch from coach and keep it pushing. And I know he's got all of our support behind him and um, we want to see him succeed and we want to keep this thing going. And as crazy as it was to think we won't see coach on the floor anymore. I think, uh, I think it's the helm. It's in good hands. John's got it. Yeah, this succession plan really worked out. Really worked out well, didn't it? I mean, I think, mm-hmm, uh, and, we'll, and we'll see, you know, the results on the court. But everything at this point, I don't think you can argue that it's been a success. Um, yeah, exactly. It's all, you know, they're they're a position to win as big this coming season as they have in the previous seasons. That Coach K, the, the standards that were set are, are they're set to meet meet them. Um, uh, it's about time to wrap up this episode. But you mentioned Emil Jefferson. I have to tell a quick Emil story from the mm-hmm. other night. Uh, it, it, Grant Hill was on campus to promote his book, and John Shire was the MC of the event. It is at Page Auditorium over there by the, the chapel. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when the ceremony was done, when the show was done, Emil got up to leave, and all these people lined up to have their pictures taken with him and sign him sign autographs. And I thought, you know, I I started to take a picture of that. 
Nolan Smith, the people's champ, has departed Durham. He's back in Louisville with his family where he should be. Emil Jefferson is stepping in. He is the new people's yeah. champ of Durham. <laughs> and you know what's what's funny about Emil, and you 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 said it like Emil is such a people person. His personality, people gravitate towards him. And so you, of course, there will only be one Nolan Smith in his time that he had there in Durham, but <laughs> Emil's gonna follow right not too far behind because that's just the personality he has. Emil likes being you know, out and he likes speaking to people and he loves, you know, he's, he's not going to be one of those guys where if a fan's chasing him down to get a picture assigned some, he's not going to try to walk a little faster and duck around the corner. Emil's going to turn around and welcome him with his huge wingspan and give him a hug and yeah. sign and take pictures <laughs> and that ear to ear smile he has. That's infectious. <laughs> like it's, that's just who he is. And I think that's a, he's going to be a fir- perfect fit for John and his staff. And um, I think Emil's going to have, I think he's going to have a really good, really successful coaching career. And his team won the uh, K Academy this year. And that's, and how, how about how that? Fitting, how <laughs> fitting is that? Nolan, Nolan wins last year on, and this is, he's on his way out. And then Emil steps right in and his team team winning. I mean, it's, that's, it's, it's, it's destiny. It's right. The fates have acted. Yes. Well, <laughs> Josh, listen, thank you so much for the time you took with us on the episode this week. It's been great catching up with you. It was wonderful to see you in Chicago and uh, uh, best of luck in, in your career in your new career uh, uh, off the court and uh, uh, look forward to catching up with you again uh, sometime in the future here. Of course. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate you having me, man. And I um, look forward to being back soon. Okay. Very good. Uh, again, I'm Steve Wiseman from the Riley News Observer. We've been joined this week by Josh Harrison, former Duke player, now an agent uh, uh, representing uh, Wendell Moore, helping him through his draft process. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's episode. Uh, take care. We'll be back for next week. Thank you.